Welcome to the Mama's Redefined Success Podcast. My name is Danielle and I'll be your guide as we get real about finding your true north on this expedition of motherhood. Whether you're a new mama who just got in this path of discovery or you're already in the thick of the chaos and you'd give anything to find your way to a path, Either way, I've got you. I've gone down a lot of paths in life and motherhood from corporate executive workaholic to stressed out super mom who didn't know the word no to an anxious and depressed stay-at-home mom of two just trying to get through the day. And now I'm getting my footing as a mom and business owner. I'm here to share my journey in a raw way to hopefully help you so you don't feel alone as you navigate your paths. Here, we embrace where we are today, but we don't stay there. So get ready to laugh, learn, possibly cry, and definitely grow as you journey to redefine what success means to you so you can thrive in who you're meant to be. Let's go. Welcome back, mamas. I am so excited for this week. As I've been telling you, we have our first guest with us this week. Her name is Tamara Andrus. She is an amazing human. She drops so many gold nuggets um, in this episode that you guys are going to want to have a notebook. Um, I know that isn't like typical of my podcast, but you guys are going to want to have one. Trust me. Tamara, she is a five-time number one best-selling author, a top 0.3% global podcaster with her Fit and Faith podcast. She's an international speaker, a marketplace minister. She's an experienced creator with events and retreats. She's the founder of Fit and Faith Press Publishing House, and she serves as the president of the Founder Collective, which is a nonprofit. She is an amazing human, most of all, and you guys are going to love her and love listening to everything that she has to say today. I titled this Claiming Your Mirror Moments. You will definitely understand why. As you know, I always start off the podcast with a quote. So this quote um, is so poignant for everything that Tamara talks about today. This is from Bo Taplin, and it is, she was unstoppable not because she did not have failures or doubts, but because she continued on despite them. So with that, I'm going to introduce you to Tamra, and we are going to get started. I'm so excited to have you here, Tamra. Um, I would you first like to say anything to get us started? No, I'm just so excited for mamas. I have such a heart for moms. I'm a mom of two myself and a dog mom for those dog mamas <laughs> out there listening. Um, yeah. But I, I have such a heart for moms. And so I'm really excited to dive in and just serve today. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here. And um, I do, I do want to start talking about just this mama's redefined success, what that means, how we all have to redefine what success looks to us, to us when we become a mother. And I just wondered in what ways have you had to redefine success? Oh man. I mean, a thousand <laughs> different ways to be honest. And it, it's not to say or shun my kiddos because of that. In fact, no. it's, it's really uh, developed me and helped me to become more selfless and uh, mature in the way in which I view life and to think about it from a generational perspective rather than what we're so used to and conditioned by society. It's very like me driven, right? Mm -hmm. So even our marriages uh, can sometimes be hindered because of the me driven society that we exist in. Yeah. And so for me, redefining success actually happened in what I call my tombstone moment 
and I pulled into my driveway. I was working about 60 to 70 hour work weeks and I had two kiddos under the age of two and my barely waddling nine month old, she walked really early uh, because she was trying to chase after her brother. She, uh, I see her when I pull into the driveway, my husband's outside talking to the neighbors. It was very much like the white picket fence traditional American. We were the youngest in the fan in the neighborhood, two nice cars, both entrepreneurs. It was just like success, right? Like yeah. that's what you imagine success to be boy right. first girl second. I mean, just all the <laughs> things we were called Barbie and Ken annoyingly, oh, right? But you you live up to this expectation of what people perceive is success. And therefore you think this is the facade that I have to put on. And yeah. you look around like, man, I'm really blessed. And so I just need to keep doing the thing and I'll just keep doing the thing and I'll keep doing the thing. And then you end up on this rat wheel. So I was on the rat wheel and I pull in and I see my daughter instead of come to me. And we had just gotten done like weaning from nursing. So I, you know, even though my, my boobs were good, (laughs) sorry if there's guys listening, but this is for mamas. I was, you know, I hadn't seen her all day. So I'm like, oh my gosh, my sweet girl. I can't wait to hold her. And then she turns around and walks towards towards daddy. And I just remember feeling like, oh, like what? This has already happened and now I'm being replaced. And at the same time, I had all of these mind things going on about my businesses and the contracts that I was running. And I was working on nine figure contracts. So my my lens of success was very financially driven. Mm -hmm. And so instead of being the mama that I am now, where I just drop everything and I pursue them with kisses, (laughs) I just went inside and I remember feeling this air of just disappointment and also a sense of void over, gosh, this is the life I've created. And so when I say tombstone moment, it was this revelation of, is my tombstone really going to say entrepreneur or is it going to say for me, my faith, child of God, mother, wife, whatever, wife, mother in in the specific one, two, three and i wanted to be a really good wife i wanted to be a really good mom but i felt like the world had pushed me into being a really good entrepreneur and how was i at that point if this was what success looked like how was i supposed to redefine that and so this was that moment where i had to redefine so i'll I'll stop there if you have any specific questions you want to dive into wow yeah no that is a big moment so at that point what did you what did you do did you did yeah, my story here is is pretty difficult because I was making just terrible decisions outside of truth, outside of integrity, outside of being that wife and mom on a tombstone that I could be proud of mm-hmm. or that anybody else would be proud of. And a lot of what I was doing was suppressing. I was suppressing the stress. I was suppressing um, and coping with things like shopping too much and materialistic living. Um, I was definitely drinking more than I should have. Um, I was, and it wasn't alcoholism per se, but that actually runs in my family very predominantly and so it could have led to that space. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was just like that Netflix and chill mentality where you're just like, I don't want to do anything, so I'll zone into this form of reality, which isn't really reality, even though they call it reality TV. I mean, it's, it's all of these things that were like being positioned in front of me as like, this is the easy way to live again in that rhythmic, um, my friend and uh, mentor Myron Golding calls it the, um, uh, 
societal mechanism of systemization, essentially. Okay. And so it's basically saying that we've been so systemized and mm -hmm. so marginalized in what is true living, like full life. And so here I was coping. I was existing in all of these places. I wasn't being faithful to my husband in this time. And I came to a rock bottom. So that tombstone really became a, a moment in my life where I was like, man, I want to die. Like I was suicidal. I had depression, wow. um, overwhelming anxiety. I would have anxiety attacks in the middle of the night. In addition to the fact that I was dealing with some familial issues with siblings that were just catastrophic. It felt like I was living in a lifetime movie, okay? Not only with my own lifetime movie, but also that of people that I loved and cared for. And so I quit everything. And I mean everything. I literally, I stopped all the businesses. I got out of every situation that defined success. I got out of every title that I possibly could, every label that I possibly could, besides wife and mom. Wow. I went into a three-year journey of mental health, um, just going and being with a therapist as often as I possibly could. I sought after every single um, like Christian gathering that I could, whether it was church, whether it was women's devotionals, um, whether it was worship nights. And I just went hard after finding out uh, the truth of who I was rather than living out a lie of who I'd become. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, you know, to have the, that moment, but then the action that you took to, to get yourself out of it, that takes a lot of courage, right? Like that takes yeah. a lot of courage. I, so. I wouldn't have called it courage at the time. I probably would have called it like my only hope. Yeah. Um, I would have called it, I actually called it a forced quit because parts of me, I think we're still operating out of that success or perfectionism lens mm. um, because yeah. what if my marriage crumbled? What if I chose all of these other things that honestly were probably the easier route? It would have been easier for me to just get divorced. And at least I, I thought that, I even said that out loud to my husband and poor, poor sweet soul is just like, <gasps> what are you doing? thinking and like would have been easier on my kids at least that's the story i was telling myself because who mm. was i i wasn't even in my opinion operating as a good mom now he would have he never said that and they definitely never felt that they felt all the love that i had but i just it was forced because of what society expected from me and mm -hmm also probably unspoken expectations that I had for myself. And in hindsight, 2020, I am so, so grateful that I stuck with it and that we just celebrated our 11 years together, um, married 15 together, and we got renewed our vows at our 10 year and awesome. our kids got to be there and witness that. And there's so much fruit that's happened on the other end of my surrender. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, at the time, definitely didn't feel like courage. It, yeah. it felt, ugh, it felt terrible. It felt impossible. It felt, um, paralyzing. It felt, yeah, really dark. And so when we talk about redefining success as mamas, like know that I've been there. Yeah. And if you're currently in that place, there is hope and there is light. And oftentimes it follows surrender and submission. 
And we as women don't like to hear those words, but Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily mean it depending, especially if you're in an abusive situation or something that is outside of the confines of safety with your marriage. Um, But I promise you, if you're married to the type of man that I am, that I hope that you're married to as well, that there is goodness and grace and love that you've never possibly known that is capable when it comes to really learning how to communicate with yourself. I would say emotional intelligence and communication strategies were among the two things that really came out of that therapy time Mm -hmm. and allowed us to really fall in love with who God made us to be rather than who society was trying to create us to be. That's, that's amazing. That's deep. And I know there are so many moms, you know, in life, we all have anxiety, right? Over different things, whether it be, you know, just, am I a good mom or things like that? But then you also have, you know, the really deep anxiety or depression or, um, things that you're dealt with. And, um, you know, I, I at times wondered if I should have ever even had kids, you know, when I was in my depression and I feel like that's a stage that I hear from a lot of moms that they go through different stages after becoming a mother like that, um, that we all, and I just, you know, there's a lot of moms that feel hopeless, um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, defeated and, um, you know, how, what's one tool? Do you have any tools maybe hmm. that you could yeah, share to gosh. deal with that? So many. So I, I've alluded to this idea of becoming who I had become versus who I now get to be and mm-hmm. who I know I'm not yet, right? Like we're always in this journey yeah. and I have a lot to learn. I might sound really mature, like your biggest, best big sister or a wise counsel at this point. And I know that I definitely carry some great wisdom based on these trials that I'm sharing with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so much more to go. So my book, Always Becoming, um, which is available now at all your bookstores that you can imagine, go to Barnes and Noble. That's uh, our our biggest advocate. Um, You can go in and learn about these specific tools. And I really walk you through the full mind, body, soul alignment journey that I went on. Um, one of the things that really helped me, and I mentioned like this, this um, again, societal mechanism of consumerism that yeah. has existed. You know, everybody like jokes about the Amazon boxes that show up to your house, but like, is that really a joke? Is Or is that something we should steward better? Our finances? Is mm-hmm. that something you need? Or is that something that you want? And I know I can get my like groceries and stuff from there too. So no yeah. condemnation, but <laughs> I, I, I started to minimize. So one of the first things that we did was we went through this minimization season, um, not only because we had reconstructed and opened up all of our homes so that it was like that open floor concept, um, but also because I, I had acquired so many things that were distracting me away from my title, my purpose, and, and really my calling. And they were, I, they were my identifiers. Like, um, it could be a name brand and I was never really a name brand person, but I know that there are. So I'm speaking that Mm -hmm. out to somebody. Um, it could be this facade of who you try to be, um, for another minimization for me was even my makeup. I, I stopped wearing makeup for almost two years. That seems extreme, but um, I I had become somebody that I wasn't. When I see old pictures of myself, I'm like, 
holy cow, like I hardly know her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I had to just try something new because I needed something new. I needed something that was going to give me life. Yeah. I went to an all women's gym versus going to a co-ed um, facility. I stopped watching secular TV and stopped going to secular movies. Now, all of these things that I'm telling you, it wasn't like cold turkey. It was, it was really this opportunity where coming into my faith and, and learning who I was through my God, through Jesus, I was able to see myself um, through the lens of um, worthiness mm. and that all of these things that I was acquiring that I thought would make me worthy were all lies. Mm. Yeah. And so if I keep positioning myself from an eyesight perspective, like movies, like TV or ear sight, what am I listening to? Are these, am I really becoming these country music songs or these <laughs> lifetime movies? Like literally my life was like a country music song. And so I think about that. And then what was I eating? So I was minimizing the things that were going into my mouth that were not good for me, that I was, I, I literally was addicted to cereal, Danielle, at one point, I, especially when I was pregnant, talk about babies. <laughs> I had convinced myself that I was hungry at 2 a.m. in the morning. Every night I would wake up and eat two to three bowls of cereal and then go back to sleep. Like that is absolutely terrible for your body. Right. Yeah. And for my baby. <laughs> and so I had to like reprogram. I really went through yeah. this three year journey of reprogramming everything that the world had programmed. And some of those things that came to light during that time were childhood sexual trauma that occurred when I was really, really tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the early exposure to pornography and the sexual like lens and, and society that we live in and how that was being um, really coaxed me into this understanding of what I was supposed supposed to look like or how I was supposed to act or what a relationship was supposed to be or what does intimacy even mean? I I had zero idea, even love, like what is love supposed to be? Nobody teaches you about love. Mm -hmm. Instead, you're given pictures and you're given stories and the bachelor is not it, y'all. <laughs> it's just not it. And and porn surely is not it. Right. And so these are real revelations that took time and time again. The Lord was giving me my own personal sense of conviction to say, Tamara, you can't drink anymore. And that's it could look to others like legalism or religiosity. And that's just not it. Like I I I don't do it because somebody told me to other than that I knew it was the right next thing for me and my becoming journey. My husband partnered with me in that. So we're nearly five years in of being alcohol free and the places that our families were gathering was like breweries on weekends. And it's like, is that really the exposure of normalization that I want my kids to have? Mm -hmm. And so it was a hard lines I had to draw. I lost a lot of friends. Um, I had to create boundaries with my parents. Um, You know, the Bible tells us that we have to leave and cleave. And I never did that. My mom's opinion mattered way more than my husband's opinion, especially when it came to mothering. Heaven forsake, what could a guy who's never raised a kid know? And here my mom was a preschool and daycare specialist who had 12 kids in the home for 33 years. Of course she knew better but she didn't know what we know now when it comes to emotional health and spiritual health and mm. mental health. She had no way of developing that because they didn't have the language for it back in the right. day. Yeah. So it's just been, it's been such a journey. Gosh, I hope I'm serving people with ideas and maybe just some areas of um, hopefulness that they can try something new. 
Yeah, I think we all can. And, you know, we may not know where to start, but the thing is just to start, you know, you said it didn't all happen overnight, but you just started taking these steps that you knew were right for you Yeah, because it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. And it's been eight years since that tombstone moment. And I, you know, had the joys of baptizing my kiddos this year and just witnessing what can happen when you decide to stand out and to stand up for truth. And your truth is going to look really different than the commonplace truth of society because we see things that I could get real political here, and I don't mean it from a political perspective, but even an educational perspective where we're simply being indoctrinated. And we have an opportunity to stand up, not just for our own selves, not just for our marriages, but for generations. And that's our kiddos. They need us to be brave. They need us to have courage. They need us to be strong and they need our protection. And if we're not willing to do that for ourselves, which I wasn't, I didn't know that was something I needed to do. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know how to advocate for myself. I was never taught that as a woman. And so how are we doing that now, even as friends? Like, I think one of my favorite things now is to have close girlfriends. I was always like the guy's girl. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was cool, right? Like I thought that was awesome that like I had rarely any girlfriends. And if I did have girlfriends, they were guys, girls too. (laughs) And so we were the first invited to the party. We were the last to leave because the guys wanted us around and we could kick up and relax with them and like, you know, take down a beer and eat the Chinese food and, and laugh about the naughty jokes and do all those things. And that's not healthy. I don't want my girl to be a guy's girl. I want her to be a girl's girl. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about moms and I think about women and how empowering we are when we come together in community and conversations like this, it's not to ostracize one another. It's not to be better than one another. It's to lift one another up and to remind each other that like sisterhood matters and our voice connected to that sisterhood matters. And so to not hold things in shame. I mean, I'll just, I just aired all my dirty laundry to you guys and I have zero shame about it now. I didn't always feel that way, but it took that becoming, it took that release and it took other women speaking life and truth in me to say, you know what? I've been there too. And I think that's probably the biggest area of like anxiety and depression where moms feel this because they just feel alone. They feel so isolated in their ideas, in their thoughts, in their, maybe if I just drive this minivan into the tree and then I'm in the hospital for three weeks, or maybe, maybe even better than that, I don't live. Like Mm -hmm. these are real thoughts that I had. And so I know that these crazy thoughts that you have, maybe it's about your kids and them getting into an accident. Like there's things that go through our mind that I don't believe are from our true mom heart. They're from the enemy and they're from society's nastiness that's being projected on us on a consistent basis. Like it's not normal for these thoughts to happen. And so we have to be able to normalize what is true. And that's us vocalizing and having real conversations like this. Yeah. And so many people are afraid to do that. They're afraid. I know I had, I mean, my, my thoughts in my head were definitely while driving a lot. Um, You know, I didn't necessarily at any time, like want to run into a tree, but I did think about, well, what would happen if I did like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, what would happen to me and what would happen? Like if there was no more me and, and then you, uh, I don't know, you just keep 
spiraling and spiraling. And especially if you don't have anyone to talk to. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's great. And I, and I was, I was exactly what you described there. I was one of those guys, girls and had, you know, no guy friends or girlfriends. Um, I had some, I had my close girlfriends, but, you know, mostly hung out with the guys and you're right. That isn't really what I would want for my daughter and never really thought about it that way until you just put it like that. But it's like, yeah, I don't want that. And, you know, you see all these, it goes back to what you said about, you know, you just need to do what's right for you and not what's, what this world is saying that we should do things like, you know, what's right for your family and, um, and you need to follow your heart. So, um, so, you know, you have gotten to where you've gotten, like you are super successful now. And I'm sure along the path, like there has been some places where you felt stuck Mm -hmm. sometimes where you just, you weren't able to move forward. Um, maybe not even wanting to, like we just said, um, and can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe think about some things that you did to get unstuck when you were in those places? Yeah, I would say, um, even just to say like, I'm successful I'm, uh, now, um, the Lord gave me this last year when I was speaking to a group of faith-driven entrepreneurs, I host conferences and retreats and business coaching and things like that for people, um, that success is what the world tells us that we need. And it's actually sustenance that we need. Success mm-hmm. is what we want. And so to have sustenance over success, what does that mean? And for someone who is a believer, I can easily tell you, it's like the fruits of the spirit. Like you want joy, you want peace, you want love, you want goodness and kindness and gentleness. Most of us wouldn't raise our hands to saying that we want patience, but (laughs) as a mom, we need it, right? And so the way in which we get it, uh, similar to one of my experiences with my son that I'll share is um, I get it through a feisty little boy right? Who I have to learn patience. Patience is a practice. Patience is a process of endurance. It is not something that you just pluck off of a tree and yay, I have patience now. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So one area that I felt really stuck in is when I was now a stay-at-home mom, after I had gotten rid of a lot of those positions, I was with my kiddos for three years and that was the hardest job I've ever had. (laughs) And I've been an entrepreneur for, for over almost two decades. So that it, to say that in comparison, like mama's over here redefining success. I see you, you're amazing. Uh, and, and he was giving me a run for my money. Like I was with him all day long. We would do a couple of mommy and me play date things and activities. And he was just feisty. He had like this innate anger inside of him that he would get frustrated. He would back talk of a five-year-old back talks like mm-hmm. he was just feisty yeah. and i remember just crying often and my husband would come home and he'd say one thing and he'd be right aligned everything is great and i'm like oh my gosh how come when you walk in the door everything is perfect right. and they're the angels and they've been driving me up the wall all day <laughs> fighting and doing all these crazy things together it was two of them they're very close in age they're 15 and a half months so it felt like twins sometimes oh yeah 
But my son it was, it was really hard because I had this, like, if you're a boy mom, you know, you just have this like deep love for them. Right. And the fact that we couldn't bond, it felt like, cause I was so frustrated most of the time. First off, I realized it's because we're very similar. <laughs> we have yeah. a lot of commonalities <laughs> and here I was the guy's girl and I couldn't bond with my own little boy. Right. <laughs> so, and yet we would have so much fun together when it was a high, it was a high, when it was a low, it was low. So we yeah. ended up going to th uh, play therapy together. And this was um, something I highly encourage to a lot of parents who have frustrations or frictions with their kiddos. Like we, we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to fix the problem because we're the adult. Then we go after some, you know, probably not so healthy ways of again, coping. How are you coping with that stress that's being cultivated because of your kiddo or because of you and your temperament or lack mm -hmm. of desired patience? Yeah. Um, and so why not get help? I mean, we get help in so many areas. I have a really incredible friend. Um, her name is Pam Snyder she, with Fruitful Families Coaching. And she helps with conversations that I'm about to get into with sleep training, um, with help to parent a teenager and there are resources that we can use yeah. and i think it, it goes back to the conversation of shame when it comes to us in our own you know mom mindset is we have to be willing to ask for help yeah and so when i went to therapy with my son and we did play therapy I, I we only went to two and i realized that it was just i needed to talk to someone about it and i was carrying so much shame that i wasn't a good mom and that I, here i am as a stay-at-home mom and i don't want to be a stay-at-home mom and i can't stand this role and it's the opposite of success in my mind at that wow. season yeah. of my life and so i just got to sit with a mom of four boys that was who the therapist was and sit on the couch and just cry. And she says, Tamara, this is normal. This is normal. And when I heard that, I just had such a sigh of relief. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Snotty nosed, you know, like, what do you mean it's normal? And she's like, this is constantly gonna be an area of friction. So let me release some moms of boys right now, whether they're young and, and small or they're teenagers and they're combating you in whatever it is that you have to say they are one day going to be a provider. They are one day going to be the lead of a household. They are one day hopefully going to be a manager or leaders to groups and organizations. They have to be feisty. They have to have a voice. They have to be out front. They have to have that air of anger because it can be utilized for healthy things if we learn to nurture that side of them rather than to suppress it. So just like the women, the girls that we're raising, they need to be strong and have vocalization and learn how to communicate effectively too, rather than what people did to my daughter and say, oh, she's just shy, so ignore her or just don't pay attention to her. I'm like, actually, she's not shy. She's reading you. Mm, yeah. And then people are like, well, she's reading me. Well, <laughs> Well, I need to interact with her. I need to give her something to read that's positive, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if we shift our mentality toward our kiddos and same towards ourselves, and we are willing to ask for help in whatever that is, it will totally change your relationships. And ultimately, it'll change your mirror moments. And what I mean by mirror moments is when no one else is around, when you're brushing your teeth by yourself, when you're putting on your makeup by yourself, when you're taking that shower and you're wiping off all your makeup at the end of the day, your mirror moments are so valuable to every other part of your life. And oftentimes those are the places that we're talking to ourselves the most negatively. 
Mm-hmm. And we're saying things to ourselves we would never say to another human being, especially our daughters and our sons. And so I encourage you to have that empowering self-talk and learn how to stand in the mirror confidently in all seasons of life, in all seasons of weight, in all seasons, and so that we can really empower those around us to love us in the way in which we are worthy of being loved. And we are, we're truly all worthy of being loved. Yeah, I completely agree. And that, um, you know, not only is that the time where you tend to talk to yourself negatively about yourself, but that's the time when we tend to beat ourselves up about the mom guilt, right? So that mom guilt is real and it is so, so, it is so loud sometimes. And, um, I don't know if you have any tips of ways that you've dealt with mom guilt. Yeah. So if you're a working mama on the other side, and even if you're, I I told you some of the mom guilt moments when I was actually with my kids full time, it it happens no matter what, right? It's the mom who's with them all the time who has mom guilt because she's now leaving to go get her nails done just to have a breath of breath of fresh air or the mom guilt that she's hiding in the bathroom because, and her kid's fingers are underneath trying mom, right? (laughs) I just need a minute to go to the bathroom by myself, right? right? I totally get that season. And then I also get the season that I'm in, which is in this space where I'm traveling a lot to speak. I'm traveling mm-hmm. to go to book signings. I'm traveling for conferences and retreats and events, all these things. And I hate when my kiddos are like pulled away from me in the middle of the morning because I have an early flight and they don't yeah. want to leave. I hate when the night before when I'm packing, they're saying, I wish you wouldn't leave mama. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't like those feelings. And my mom guilt is so strong at that point. Mm -hmm. And I have wife guilt too. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm leaving my husband with all of this responsibility. And I think it's interesting that we have that sense because I don't think he ever leaves me and thinks like, I'm so (laughs) sorry. You're with your children. Right. He never thinks that. (laughs) Right. And so it's again, a rewriting of our minds on expectations of Mm ourselves. And I think back to what we started this conversation in regards to that generation legacy, do I want my kids pursuing something that they absolutely love when they get uh, older and they're married and they have kids? I absolutely do. And so for my kids to see me not go to a ball and chain nine to five, not to say nine to fives aren't great. Some people love what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just not for me. They get to see me, you know, on podcasts and in YouTube and my kids think I'm a YouTuber. I'm not, I have, (laughs) you know, I got some followers over there. Come subscribe, ring a bell, do all the things, but that's not my job. Right. And that's not how I get paid. Let's put it that way. It (laughs) is a part of what I love to do. Yeah. And so I want them to be inspired by the moments. And so I have to rewrite that narrative for them. So I have two options in that moment when they're pulling away from me, or I don't want you to leave. I could say, you know, you're right. It's, I hate that I have to leave you. I'm so sorry. I'll be back in three days and we'll do something fun when I get back. Yeah. All right. Just, we'll, and I'll call you every night and we'll cry on the phone together. Cause we're not together. Like, no, actually where mama's going, she's super excited to go. Right. I can't wait to be in that room with all of those people. I know I'm going to do the Lord's mission when I'm there. I'm going to ignite people. I'm going to fire people up. It's, it's what I'm purposed to do 
and I'm purposed to be your mama. And when I come back, because I've just done what I am intended to do, I am going to be on fire. I'm going to be a better mom. You're going to have a better version of me because the I am the best yeah. version of me. Right. And so I rewrite that narrative for them in that moment. And I say, yeah, but what fun are you going to have with data while I'm gone? What things are you going to do that are going to excite you? Yeah. Let me tell you what I'm about to go do and why it's important. I think oftentimes when we're even just going to work, whatever that looks like for you, we're writing this narrative that we can't wait for Friday. You guys, I cannot wait for Monday. Today is a Monday when we're recording this. Yeah. And I it was the first conversation I had with my CFO is I picked up the phone and she's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm so glad it's Monday. And it wasn't because I didn't enjoy the time of I was with my kiddos the last several days. I loved it. But I also love dropping them off at school. I have zero mom guilt when I do because yeah. I know they're being nurtured and loved on. Right. And I get to stand in purpose and then also receive them in the evening when they come home, you know? So yes. I, I encourage you guys like to really practice, practice, practice. I'm constantly practicing because I still feel mom guilt, but mm -hmm. practice rewriting the narrative. It yeah. will change everything for you and for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Um, so for our moms who they may be starting over and they're like dealing with a health issue that's forced them to change everything or a job change situation. Um, but they've just, maybe they decided to stay home with their kids now, or maybe they've yeah. decided to go back to work or anything like that, but they feel like they're starting from scratch. Is there any advice that you have for these moms who are feeling I don't know. They might be feeling confused or shame. Yeah. Like you said, imposter yeah. syndrome. There's all these things that come up whenever you're starting from scratch. Yeah. I'm going to rewrite the narrative real quick. Are you ready? <laughs> we're never starting from scratch. Oh yeah. We're never, we're always becoming right. Yeah. We're never starting from scratch. There is never a blank slate in front of you because what you have learned, the development of who you are in this moment is going to be utilized. And it's going to be what propels you into the next season. If I, I'll give you a simple example. If I didn't have the grit to work out like I do, like I was just groomed into by my personal society, which was my parents, they were advocates for running and working out. I was a gymnast for 16 years. If I hadn't been groomed into grit, I would not be in the physical shape that I am right now. Mm. And so even in my deepest, darkest moments, I knew how to go and stay healthy when it came to my body, I had to rewrite the narrative on why I was staying healthy and what my body needed to do or be or become. But it allowed me to have those healthy mental breaks that I needed to because I was operating out of cortisol and I was producing really healthy things like, um, you know, your body needs. I could get into all the medical side of that too. I was a personal trainer and nutritionist, but yeah. Thinking about that and the healthy things that were happening, this is the same thing for you right now. So if you do feel like you are starting from ground zero, mm -hmm. uh, I would say that it is not a rock bottom. It's a rock foundation. Mm. And if you can stand up, if you can brush your knees off today, if you can walk with a little bit more courage, if you can walk in the dignity and grace in which you've been blessed to receive, especially as a woman, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And you can stand again in that mirror moment with self 
nobody else in that space and you can say, I am worth it, you'll breathe again tomorrow. Mm. You'll do it. You'll, you'll do it again and you'll do it again. And soon enough, that grit and that resilience and that truth, because that's ultimately what your rock foundation is. It's truth mm-hmm. that you are purposed to be here. Cause if you were not here, then you would have no purpose, but you right. are. And therefore it's not a question of if you have purpose, you do have purpose. And it's now recognizing how do I want to walk that purpose out in this new season? I have new seasons all the time. We have new years all the time. Mm-hmm. It's our new birthday, birth year. And so we want to start clean and I'm going to do this new thing with this new diet. Well, guess what? You're not starting from zero. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, you're not. Right. We have to take all those habits that have been bad or good and we have mm-hmm. to prepare them into the next version of yourself. And so give yourself grace because Mm. wherever you are today, you likely have some bad habits. You likely have some trauma that you have to rewrite. You likely have some family or some friends or some old places that you should never probably go again that you're going to have to release. There are potentially some soul ties that are literally drawing you back to your past. And we've got to sever those. We have to sever those in order to move forward into the greatness that is established and has been pre-written to you. So understanding how to unpack that and walk into it is just everyday mirror moments of resilience that will eventually lead to a life of sustenance because you did it and you will get to say like, I did it. And what I did it is, is going to be different for every single woman, for every single child, for every single man. And so not to define yourself based on where you are right now, based on a timeline, based on an agenda, based on a societal version of success, based on how old you are, based on how young you are, like none of that matters because that's not reality. The truth is you're breathing and therefore there's purpose. Yes. So good. So good. Okay. Last kind of question here before we wrap up, I just wanted, I wanted to maybe, um, get some tip from you because, you know, you are, what's the word I'm looking for? Not balance, but, um, I kind of hate the word balance, but do all the things, right. You have all of these things going on. And I always talk about, you know, self-care and prioritizing yourself and all these different things first. Um, but do you have one habit or one Mm -hmm. thing that you do for yourself that you just feel like it fuels you and allows you to kind of prioritize what you need to do? Yes. 1000%. It's my morning routine. Yeah, so it's okay. not just one thing. It's a layered thing, but it's the one thing is the morning routine. And I am um, uh, also an advocate of going to sleep early. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will go to sleep late, but I always get seven, eight hours every single night. And my morning routine starts about three hours before my household wakes up. Okay. So I am up very early before the birds, before the sun. And (laughs) I do that intentionally because I remember the season when I was home with my kiddos and they were what was waking me up. They were my alarm clock. Y'all alarm clocks are less overwhelming than a child who wants to eat in the morning. Okay. (laughs) Like the nagging mama, mama, like it just no. And so I learned that if I have my own internal alarm clock, I do not set an alarm. I just wake up 
every single day at wow. this early time. It's because I've gotten enough sleep. Yeah. I've prepared the night before in order for my day to be good the next day, which is through a morning routine. I start with coffee and during coffee, to be honest, I know I shouldn't do this, but I am probably scrolling and checking my <laughs> DMs at that point. I'm just being honest. Um, I know a lot of people are like, never scroll before your Bible. Right. I, I, Oh, I'm waiting for my coffee to brew. Okay. Right? The Lord knows that I'm being intentional and I have a really curated feed and I love the words and the deliverance and all the things that people provide me in my feed. Um, and awesome. so then I, I do, I go to my, my Bible chair, my kiddos call it. Cause that's the only thing that I do in that chair ever. And right. so that's where they see me often when I'm reading the word. And then from there I go and work out. Um, on the days that I don't work out, I'm usually just longer in the word and also reading another just like fun business book. I usually pair the Bible with a business book because okay. that's my zone of genius. Yeah. And um, it also gives me a really good like holistic view on something that could be working for the world, but God also has something to say about it. Mm. And so it gives yeah. me that like instantaneous wisdom. Um, and yeah, after I work out, then I am in the best, most uh, attuned version of myself. And I then get to receive my babies when they come downstairs. Um, and I'm doing so with like a joyful heart. I'm doing so in a peaceful heart. I'm doing so with an expectation for their day to start wonderful rather than the other way around, which was just, it really wasn't pretty. Right. So morning yeah. routines, y'all. It's the best. Yes. Love that. I have mine too. And when I don't do it, cause I'm not, oh. um, I wish I had that internal alarm clock. I need to get more sleep. That's the problem. Click, that is, it's everybody's problem to be honest, but that is the problem for sure. So, well, it. thank you so much. Everybody always be coming is now out. You guys should go to Barnes and Noble and get it. It is so good. I've read it. I actually am lucky enough to have a signed copy. So uh, I'm sure yay. Tamara's going to be traveling around. Maybe possibly you'll be. catch her somewhere near you, but, um, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Such a joy. As I said, I love mamas and I don't care how old your babies are, or maybe you're not yet a mama. Um, you probably aren't listening to this podcast if that's the case, but regardless, yeah. know that I honor you and you are worthy. I'm so grateful, Danielle, for you to just continue to pour into them this way. Yes. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Bye y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If something you heard today spoke to you, I hope you'll use it on your journey. It would light me up to know what hit home with you. So please share this episode on your social and tag me so I can encourage you and thank you personally for sharing. I'll meet you right back here next week. Keep smiling, y'all.